how do we get to that place from where we've been? For the last couple of months, three months, we have been uh, studying the Ten Commandments on Sunday morning. Today we are wrapping all of that up and moving into a new, uh, a new series for the summer. But the Ten Commandments begins, there's such great promise in this story. Israel is delivered out of Egypt. This great movement of God as he delivers his people from Egypt and they cross the Red Sea and they come to Mount Sinai and God appears, his presence is on Mount Sinai and smoke and fire and thunder and the, the ground shakes and God's presence is revealed and God gives the ten words to the children of Israel. The law is given. And there's such great promise. God's people delivered now with the law, now knowing how they are to live. But then, and even before Moses comes down from the mountain, there is the sound from the base of the mountain. The sound of revelry and celebration and even chaos. As the children of Israel could not even wait for 40 days for Moses. And they have created their own God. They have created the golden calf. And this time of great promise now descends into despair. And the God who has made himself present and known on that mountain in such a way that the before them. Such great promise. And now we come to this. And what is it exactly that we have come to? The children of Israel who have lived as slaves in Egypt all of these years, who have now experienced freedom and deliverance, now these children of Israel in the very shadow of the mountain of God have allowed themselves to become slaves once again. Slaves to what? And as I say, they have become slaves. I want us to listen to what these words might mean to us and ask, are we in danger of being slaves once again to the same things? Are we, like the children of Israel, Danger of becoming slaves to our own arrogance. Again, the children of Israel, for 40 days they wait. And for at least part of that time there is anticipation of what God is, to, is doing. But out of their own arrogance and their own self-serving attitudes and rebellion, they create their own God. And you get what they do. They, they tossed they tossed their gold into the fire. And they shaped and formed this golden calf. Aaron says they tossed their golden ornaments, their, their jewelry, all their gold into the fire. And this calf just jumped out of the fire. Now that would be a miracle, wouldn't it? But they, they threw their stuff into the fire and worshipped this calf as it popped out of it. Are we in danger 
of that same arrogance. How quick are we to throw our own identity, our own self-worth into the cauldron of culture? How quick are we to throw our identity into the cauldron and worship whatever emerges? How quick are we to see the immorality that pops out of popular culture every day all around us and bow before the immorality that popular culture holds up? How quick are we to worship the fear, the anger, the dishonesty that pops out of the political arena? How quick are we to find our own identity wrapped up in whatever comes out of the world around us? They became slaves, or we can become slaves, to rules. As Moses brought down these Ten Commandments for the first time and then again the second time, the children of Israel and we today were given a set of rules to live by. But very quickly, when we get to even to Christ, we see that those rules have become a checklist of do's and don'ts. The woman caught in adultery... The men were quick to say, well, the law says this woman should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? If we're a slave to the rules, we see only the rules and we fail to see the person. Number of times of the Sabbath. The Pharisees were quick to call Jesus on the carpet about how he was not keeping the laws of the Sabbath. And Jesus reminded them that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. A faith that is reduced to a list of do's and do nots is a faith that has been robbed of transformative power. I'll say that again. A faith that is reduced to a list of rules, a list of do this and don't do that without relationship, but simply a checklist of do's and don'ts. That faith is robbed of the power to transform and create something new in the midst of our brokenness. And what is left is a religion of numbed followers just simply trying to do right and wrong. And a religion that is policed by vigilantes that are eager to call out anyone who's not keeping those laws. Am I saying rules are unimportant? Not at all. Don't hear me saying rules are not important. Rules and laws are important. But they must never blind us to seeing people. In recent weeks, there's been a lot of talk about borders and bathrooms. 
And as we've talked about borders and bathrooms, we run the risk of becoming blind to people. Jesus never calls us to be blind to seeing people. And do we run the risk of becoming slaves to our own self-sufficiency? Israel chose to create their own God rather than wait on Jehovah God. They could create that. They, they built the fire. They pulled off the gold. They fashioned their own, the, the, the uh, calf. They fashioned their God. They were able to do that out of their own power. They were self-sufficient. But from that time on, Israel continued to get in trouble every time they chose their own path over the path of God. We are the same way. How often do we look at life and say, oh, we've got this. I can handle that. It's no big deal. Our own self-sufficiency. Pull, our up, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, right? Self-made man. I've got this. I don't need anybody else. Yes, I do. Yes, we do. When we become slaves to our own self-sufficiency, we become our own God. And the very first word from God, have no other gods before me, is now off the list. Because we become our own God. Three ways that Israel ran the risk of becoming slaves again. Three ways that we run the risk of becoming slaves. Slaves to our own arrogance, slaves to rules, slaves to our own self-sufficiency. I appreciate Jake for doing the song this morning, No Longer Slaves. We'll sing it again. Because the truth is, we are no longer slaves. We are children of God. This summer, we are, uh, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, we're doing a theme, People Called, Living as People of the Kingdom. And that's who we're called to be, children of God. We are called to be humble servants. Rather than arrogant followers, we're called to be humble servants. We're called to humility. We're called to be transformed Rather than being bowing down to the rules, bowing down to the do's and don'ts, we are called to be transformed. You know, the law of God is, is not so much about what we do and what we don't do. It's about what kind of people we're going to be. You know, we, can, we can put together a list today of things that we do and don't do, things that we should do and things that we shouldn't do. But it's about what kind of people are we going to be. I can, get, I can get a lot of things. I can do a lot of right things. I can not do a lot of wrong things. And I can still not be a person of God. God is calling people to be formed in His image. The law is about being transformed. And rather than being self-sufficient... We are called to community. 
We're called to be joyful participants in what God is doing in the world. There's a, uh, there's verses over in Exodus 34, and it's kind of the follow-up to what happens in Exodus 33. God, God's had it with Israel. I told our youth class this morning, God is at the point that he is ready for there to be a greasy spot at the base of Mount Sinai where Israel was. He's kind of done. And Moses goes before God and says, don't do that, God. Please do not do that. And God relents and says, okay, I won't do that. But, and this is our verse in, 30, in chapter 33, I will, I'll give you the land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be good on my promise but I'm not going with you. I am not going with you into that land. And Moses and Israel say, no, 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 please, God. And in Exodus 34, Moses says, God, I want to know who you are. God, you've been telling us what all you've done. You've reminded us time and time again that you delivered us out of Egypt. You've told us what you've done. You've told us what you're going to do. But God, I want to know who you are. See, there's difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. And Moses says, God, I want to know you. And at that point, God says, okay, Moses. And... God passes before Moses and declares his glory and his character and who he is. And in that moment, relationship and the holy presence of God reigns supreme. And Moses says, God, I don't want to go anywhere without you. I don't want to go anywhere without your presence. Have you ever been at that point in your life where the road ahead, you're really not sure what's there? But you know you're scared? You know that you can't do it on your own? Um, maybe sometimes that's how moms and dads feel when that first baby comes along. And you, you drive 10 miles an hour home from the hospital and you're scared to death. And you check that baby how many times a night? And the first night that child sleeps through the night, you're scared to death. Have you ever been at that point when you're not sure what the road ahead holds, but you know you don't want to do it by yourself? I'm right now at the very beginning of a three-year journey um, pursuing my doctorate. I know right now I cannot do this by myself. And I will tell you, and I'm asking you to be in community with me, with me I'm kind of scared. I cannot do this without you and without God's presence. But that's a minor thing. For every single one of us, Individually, as families, 
as a church, as a nation. The weeks, months, and years ahead of us are filled with incredible opportunities and difficulties. And we cannot do this without God. There is no substitute for the power and presence of a holy God. We'll try, but there is no substitute. Money is not a substitute for the power and presence of God. Power is no substitute. National pride is no substitute. The right person in leadership is no substitute for the power and presence of a holy God in our life. So wherever you are as an individual, wherever you are as a family, wherever we are as a church body, as a nation, our number one priority must be that we do not take one step forward without the power and presence of God with us. As God declared himself and showed himself to Moses, and he says, God, if you have found favor, Lord, if you have found favor, let the Lord go with us. And Moses did the only thing he could do at that time. He fell before his knee, he fell on his knees before God and worshiped. Again, I don't know what the road ahead for you looks like. But I'll tell you again, we cannot move one step forward without the power and presence of God. In just a second, we're going to sing uh, this song again. And there'll be some of our leaders around the edges, um, and they are there to welcome you and to pray with you, and whatever is, if, if there are things that you want to celebrate, they want to celebrate in prayer and thanksgiving with you. If there are struggles that you have, they want to be with you and pray with you and welcome you and walk with you. But whether you go to the side over there, or whether you come up here, or whether you do this right where you're standing, I want to ask us, at least in our heart, and if you want to do it physically, that is absolutely okay. Moses gives us the example. If you feel so called to go to your knees in humble obedience to God and say, God, I don't want to move one more step without your presence. Please, Lord, go with us. I'm going to ask you to do that. God welcomes us. God promises us that he will go with us. So as we sit, stand and we sing, feel free to go to the sides, come here, 
right where you are. But together, let's entreat the Lord to go with us.